passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock along with. Wei Tang. Hello, Wei. How you doing, John? What's up? Uh, I'm doing okay. You seem distracted. No, I lost your audio. That, but oh. I can hear you. Okay, that would be distracting. It's definitely on my end. One second here. Okay. Maybe we should all right. Well, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Yeah, not bad. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay. Okay. All right. I'm doing okay. Care to talk about it? Uh, we're going to. We're going to. All right. Cool. Okay. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we will talk about what we watched. 180 minutes of, uh, musty television. Every Monday. Yeah. That's yeah. good. A, yeah. a deathbed episode, as I like to call these ones. Mmm. Deathbed. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because I'll be thinking on my deathbed of hours I wasted in my life, and these will be episodes I'll think of instantly. Mm. Two people on crutches arguing about the state of their knees and wondering uh, what the point of this is. Well, there's a there, maybe you'll that'll be quite the entertaining deathbed, I suppose. You know, just running through all the episodes of Raw. Yeah, maybe I'll just pop up out of my bed, and it'll turn out that haha, it was a trick. I was playing this game on you. To the other guy in the deathbed who's also fine. And we've both learned from each other. We're going to have some horrible acting. And then we're just going to stare at each other at a distance for about five minutes before we go to a commercial. Sounds like an angle. Sounds wonderful. How was your weekend? I had a great weekend. Yeah, I took some time off, went out of town. I mean, um, I was actually supposed to get married this weekend. But, um, you know... <laughs> can I tell you... Delays? Can I tell you that on Saturday... Yeah. I had set in my phone <laughs> your wedding date. Mm. So my alarm went off and like I knew you weren't getting married, but there was like a split second where I just saw Way's wedding flash on my phone and there was like that half a second that I was like, oh shit. And then realized, okay, huh. you're not getting married. Yeah, I, had not, I, I had not forgotten about it, but nonetheless, it like shook me for a half of a second. Yeah, no, this was the original date. We had planned this date, like, since, you know, I, I'd say, like, February 2020, which really was, like, forever ago. But, you know, like, by the time... Wait a minute, you were, you were going to miss this Raw? You were going to take this this night off of Raw, the big no, July no, no. 5th, 2021 edition? 
Oh, no, it was to be the weekend prior. It was supposed to be Saturday. You were going to, what, come back and do the show on Monday after your wedding? Probably. Well, no, actually, no, I was probably going to take this week off. You're right, yeah. I was supposed to probably take this off. Okay, whatever. Anyway, so it didn't happen, obviously, everybody. You know, so, like, delay, delay, delay. And then uh, my fiancé, like, it does, she doesn't, her, her, her time off doesn't really come too easily. She has to, like, book her time off, like, months mm-hmm. and months in advance. So we just decided to at least go go away for the weekend and went to, like, a little cottage up in uh, Aurelia and just had a really great time. That's good. What did yeah. you... uh? Did you kind of just stay there? Did you like venture into the city? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean the city's not not so not so big. It's just like a kind of a quaint little downtown area with like some really nice restaurants. Um, but mostly it was like nature. So and it was like beautiful weather this weekend. It was super super hot today. today All weekend, really. Yeah. Uh, like a bit of rain, but in between rain, dude, it was scorching here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Stay hydrated. Or you stay in the basement. Uh, you could do that too. Basement, hydration, yeah. all good. Well, I'm you glad you had a great weekend. weekend. Yeah, did you? Uh, I, I, I had a nice weekend. Did not leave the city, but uh, I, I had a very good weekend. What'd you get, what'd you get up to? Uh, just out and about in the city, just being outdoors. Went yeah. to the park, went to a water mm-hmm. park. That was nice. fun. Nice. Like a splash pad? Yes, went to a splash pad, pad, yes. All right. Those are popular. They're very popular. There's quite a lot of them in the city. Yeah. They're like going to different ones. They're like the, the, you know, where the kids hang out these days. I mean, it's not schools. It's the splash pad. The splash pad is where it's at in in Mm -hmm. 2021. So that was was fun. And I'm planning that all things uh, considered, I'm going to hang out with my friends on Friday night. This is the first like Friday night event I have planned in a year and a half. I've not seen these friends. I want to say I saw them once last summer, and that was it. Wow, cool! What are you guys doing? Uh, we're we're just gonna meet up, go to like a patio somewhere. So that's that's the plan for Friday because I don't have to watch SmackDown on Friday. So that's right. Yes, that's right. It's a UFC week, so that means it's me and Kate uh, on Rewind of SmackDown. Well, enjoy yourself. I will. Do you know how much stuff is going on this weekend? It feels like we we are getting back to. A crazy weekend of just all the stuff that is going on. Are you going to watch the UFC card? Do you think you'll at least watch the Connor fight? Uh, maybe the Connor fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. UFC is this weekend. MLW has their first show back that John Cena is going to mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Yeah. New Japan, two shows. All Japan, Noah, Ring of Honor pay per view. This is the new normal way. Every weekend's going to be insane. Got to make up for lost time. Well, let's chat a bit about uh, what is coming up this week. Beginning with Tuesday, we've got the Ask Away Mailbag Show, and questions can still be submitted if you're listening to this. So, well, by Tuesday afternoon, that's probably the cutoff, but you can submit your questions at forum.postwrestling.com. We will be going through the mailbag, which has uh, grown over the past couple of days, so all of your questions will be answered uh, for CAFE members. Yeah, any questions you guys want to ask, I mean, you know, if it's appropriate, if it's inappropriate... We're ignoring that shit. Also, if it's stupid, I'm going to skip it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up on Tuesday. Then we've also got up next on Tuesday night after the Great American Bash. No better way to recap the Great American Bash than by two great Canadians who are going to be talking about Tuesday night's big NXT show. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, they're international, those two, the BDE. Like, just like the main event with Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, not really uh, an all-American main event, so why not? Mm-hmm. A little bit of a, well, Canadian by birth and Canadian by, by adoption in one Davey Portman. Mm, works for me. Wednesday will be live. Rewind to Dynamite coming your way. Thursday, we've got the British Wrestling Experience with Martin and Benno and MCU later as they will be diving into episode five. And this weekend, I caught up on Loki. I watched two episodes and listened to both of your shows over the weekend. Oh, great. Yes. Well, what did you think? Well, first of all, I made the mistake. I started listening to... (laughs) The podcast before I watched the episode for the most recent one. And then I got to like the five minute mark. And you were like, if you haven't watched the episode, then stop right now. I was like, what could be so precious that I'm, I'm going to miss? But I decided, well, I might as well watch the episode first because I was going to do it backwards. I was going to listen to you guys and then watch the episode. Mm-hmm. So that would be a different way. I ended up watching the episode. And did you enjoy it more or was it about the same? It was uh, it was interesting. I I wasn't as big on episode three as as you were. I was more on the WH side. I mean, it was fine. It was a lot of just uh, Loki and Sylvie for the uh, the duration. But fine episode, not my favorite. The, the episode four though, I thought a lot more. Now my question for you is uh, when they what what's it called? Where they torch these people? They have a specific term for it. Oh, like they they touch them with it, the, prune them. They prune them. Prune them. Yes. So when Owen Wilson, do we, what are the laws? What am I allowed to talk about here? That is not uh, ruining people's lives. We're going to spoil the shit out of this. So skip uh, five minutes. Okay. So when Owen Wilson gets pruned, what is happening to him? Where is he going? We don't know. That's part of the questions that the rest of the series is going to answer. Because the presentation is as though this man is like being killed he's being taken away from you that's what you're supposed to think but if he is truly trapped with the tva and he Mm -hmm. is going back to his jet ski we don't i'm happy for back well we don't know that's why i'm asking i mean i am torn because if this is a loss of life that's one thing but if he's going back this is the reset i'm happy for him this is a wonderful exit yeah, Which at this then point, begs the, the question, why are they even doing that? Why are they pruning him? They have taken him captive, and why would they let him back to the world that they kidnapped him from? Well, not, not, it might not be either or, you know? Like, so I think the, the show is supposed to lead us at this point to think that they're just going to die. So like, they're going to cease to exist, and that the people that are the TVA agents would have died. I think they all have to show up in episode six. I don't think we see them in five. I, I think they all come back in six. You're probably right, yeah. But, you know, it doesn't – what them staying alive doesn't necessarily mean that they go back to their reality. They can possibly be, you know, all sent to this sort of, like, realm that you see the Lokis in at the end. as Like, that might be sort of like a dumping ground for all the variants. Where Loki appears at the end on five. Yeah, that could or very well be. four. Well, I'm just theorizing. You know, that could be one of, a place like that, which would, wouldn't be pleasant for Owen Wilson to, to find himself in. Yeah, I guess it really depends. I mean, he's kind of mm-hmm. uh, outlined wh- where he's come from, so I, I'm yeah. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. I'm I'm glad you're you're caught up. Um, I will be joined me and WH with Shay McDonough this Thursday talking about MCU 
uh, MCU later, talking about Loki, maybe a little bit about Black Widow as it's coming up on Friday. And uh, also there's like a Simpsons special that they, they're going to release um, probably like later tonight, actually. On uh, Disney Plus? Yeah, it's a Simpsons special that's based on Loki and the MCU. So we'll probably watch and talk about that. It's like probably 10 minutes long or something. Oh, that sounds really weird. Well, I mean, the mouse owns everything, right? So. Okay. Well, well that's uh, that way. That's coming up on Thursday. Uh, but great shows, by the way. Thank you. I enjoyed Thanks. them. I yeah, Rich Van the... was on the last one. He was fantastic. Rich is so. great. Yeah. He's WH great. was in oh, fine wow. form. Well, somehow, some way, the man will uh, work a, K- a Kenny Omega reference in there. Um, and yes, he's he's always fantastic. And by the way, let's take this opportunity to uh, congratulate the guy on a job well done on this week's edition of the Long and Winding Royal Road that just came out on Sunday. Yes. And in, in addition to the release of the show, also comes the release of the very first merchandise from the Long and Winding Royal Road. This is a brand new t-shirt that WH commissioned. Uh, an artist. I don't have the artist's name with me right now. Do you, John? I think it's uh, Sean McKenzie. Sean McKenzie to uh, create a beautiful rendition of the popular Four Pillars of Heaven that are most often associated with that era of professional wrestling. And, uh, you know, in addition to that, he wanted to do a bit of a layout in tribute to the long and winding road, a popular song by the Beatles. So if you go to store.postwrestling.com, you can find the shirt in black and in white. Uh, it's a wonderful concept and a wonderful design flying off the shelves this weekend at the store, store.postwrestling.com. This is a be- this is a really good design. I'm not going to lie. I-, I don't make a penny off of these shirts, okay, everybody? This is a really good design. I like this one a lot. Yeah, I, I totally, I mean, I, you know, I helped him with the layout, so I'm a little bit biased. But, um, you know, it's all his idea, so I, I thought it was uh, really well done. Like there's some there's some merchandise that, I mean, it- it's it's going to be aimed for your, your loyal post- follower okay this is one i think this can go outside and and reach the world at large this shirt Mm. yeah i agree (laughs) i do all right uh check that out store.postwrestling.com a great show with uh, mark buckledy as the guest with wh park that is up for uh this month's show and then the week uh winds down with kate from montreal joining way on friday night on rewind to smackdown Phil and I, um, first of all, we, are, we will have a UFC 264 preview show coming out on Friday. Eric Marcotte will be joining us on Friday. And then Saturday night, we're live right after Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor on the post-wrestling YouTube channel, uh, going through that entire card. And the week uh, concludes with the return of the NWA podcast. Nate Milton, Chris Ely, and Andrew Thompson coming at you this Sunday, postwrestling.com. Bookmark it. Very busy week, and let's not forget Shot in the Dark on Wednesday. Of course, yes, with the traveling John Cena, who will be live in attendance at the 2300 Arena on Saturday night. Maybe he'll be in the Battle Riot. Well, let's not spoil it. He is. Let us move on to uh, a couple of news items. Don't have uh, a ton of stuff here. Stardom uh, presented their card from uh, Yokohama on Sunday. This was their follow-up pay-per-view after uh, a terrific... Uh, last show that featured uh, the Utami Hayashishita match with Shuri that led to a significant amount of signups on Stardom World, a lot of attention on the promotion. So this was a pretty big follow-up. Unfortunately, a pretty down note for the show to end. Uh, the main event featured Utami defending the World of Stardom Championship against Natsuko Tora. 
and the match had just been it just gotten going. They were just over the 11 minute mark and had performed this big stunt where Natsuko Tora had dove off the top turnbuckle, splashing Utami through a table on the floor. That went fine. And then it was a follow-up where Tora just leaped off of the apron for this double stomp and her knee completely buckled. She went down and way she was in incredible pain. It was very evident. This was extreme pain that she was in. And much like we talked about last week with the handling of Mercedes Martinez with Zia Lee, they immediately called for the end of the match. There was no screwing around or what do we do? It was, hey, this is over. This is done with. And you could see like the concern on Utami's face. Like she was nearly in tears by the end of this, seeing how much pain, like Tora at times, like she was just screaming. Uh, Stardom has since put out an update that she has torn her ACL which typical timeline is six to nine months for a complete tear. So obviously we wish her as speedy a recovery as possible, but uh, was an unfortunate ending to this main event that kind of left the show to me on like uh, a sour note, even though there was some very good wrestling on the undercard before it. Really sad news, you know, to, to hear, uh, to see, but you know, for a show, for a promotion that's coming off of such a hype show and to have, this happen. I mean, I don't think any of the fans will hold it against them. This is a freak accident, you know, that could could have happened at any time. Unfortunately, it happened uh, in the main event. So uh, we wish her the best in her recovery. Uh, a few other notes from the show. Uh, Tom Nakano retained the Wonder of Stardom title, defeating Saya Kamatani. I thought this was a great match. It went 22 and a half minutes with uh, Nakano winning with the Twilight Dream. Um, these two were just terrific together. Kamatani had won the Cinderella tournament and chose to challenge Nakano for the uh, Wonder of Stardom title. And man, she's only been wrestling like just shy of two years it's incredible when you go up and down this roster and you look at the experience level of some of these women and where they're at um, they had a terrific match the uh, the tag match the goddess of stardom tag titles uh, julia and shori defended and defeated uh, mayui watani and koguma who is coming back after a six-year layoff where she is 23 years old after a six-year layoff they start them young yeah man 17, I was like, got to take some time off. And here she is. Uh, huge career uh, still ahead of her. Uh, and then uh, Mina Shirakawa became the future of stardom champion, defeating Unagi Sayaka. Um, uh, you know, all, all of the wrestling, it was very good. It opened with this uh, really fun gauntlet match that gave you like, uh, I mean, even uh, this uh, Lady C, she's been wrestling since November. And it's like, you're watching her. It's like, Jesus, she's been wrestling for just over eight, just under eight months. And you're seeing just the, the progression. It's incredible training. The fundamentals of so many of these women are just so light years ahead of where you would expect uh, someone of six to eight months of experience uh, to be at. So I, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable show overall, not at the level of the last card. Um, the English commentary was, you know, a, an added bonus that they've now apparently added permanently to these uh, pay-per-view cards. So uh, I would say certainly up until the main event, you still got some very good wrestling, just an unfortunate ending given the circumstances uh, with the injury to Natsuko Tora. And they've also announced their uh, five-star Grand Prix that will start at the end of July. And they've listed the participants. One of them was uh, Tora, who I'm sure is going to be replaced. Uh, but in the... In one of the blocks, it's going to be Shori and Utami. So that 
is obviously going to have a lot of interest when they do this rematch. And whether you do, you could go to the time limit again, or you could do something really bold and have Shuri defeat Utami in the block. And that further heightens um, a bigger match later this year. So I think there's a lot of different avenues you can explore for that one, but I'm really looking forward to this Grand Prix. And unlike the G1, where I think it can be pretty overwhelming, just all those big matches in a month, same with the carnival. This is spread out over two months. So I think it's a bit more digestible. If you're not following stardom on a day-to-day basis, you can catch up really quick. And it's not like the shows are just snowballing and you fall behind so quickly. And, you know, just given all of this added interest in Stardom World after the match, I think that this is a this is a tournament that could probably hook a lot of people. So I'm very curious to see what we're talking about regarding Stardom by the end of the year, because this seems to have been a, a very solid several steps forward for them in terms of their momentum. Yeah, I've heard a lot more buzz about the promotion lately and this card that just happened over this weekend. You know, um, injury, you know, um, unfortunate. But nonetheless, I think it, it it proves how much value that last show provided them. And um, something like this, I mean, is it going to, is every match going to be on Sardom World? Like, how, what, are the, what are the ways that people can watch it? Will they all be available in English commentary? Like, that sort of information, I think, is the most important to try to get out there to people right now. Yeah, in previous years, it's always been up on Stardom World, but they like it seems like the strategy now is for the big shows, they go up and they're offered as pay-per-views, and then you have several days that you can watch it. But th- these are not inexpensive. These pay-per-views you know, are upwards of you know, close to $40, um, and then they appear on Stardom World after the fact. So I don't know what the format will be for the Grand Prix. I would think for something like this, I think it works better as stardom world content and i would hope that they can have the infrastructure to have english commentary throughout the tournament um because once you've introduced it i do think you have to keep that level of consistency and like we've seen the success new japan has had with g1s that you know this tournament where it's something it's a two-month investment i think like it's, it's a big jumping on point for people and Stardom to me has never had as much buzz as now. So I would be putting all my resources into just the infrastructure for Stardom World and catering to an English speaking audience. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So uh, another uh, female performer who has been hit with several torn ACLs, uh, Tegan Knox, um, apparently worked a dark match tonight prior to Raw. This is coming from uh, PWInsider.com, working a dark match against Tony Storm. Uh, while Karrion Cross apparently is going to be on main event again this week, taking on Drew Gulak. But for Tegan Knox, man, this is the third torn ACL she has come back from. That is remarkable. Yeah, um, really unfortunate. You know, every single time this person seems to get a bit of momentum, something, you know, a, a, a terrible injury takes another six months to a year away from her career. And her getting a tryout at WWE, or at least the main roster, tells me that, you know, at this point, they're probably ready to move her on from NXT rather than, you know, risk another possible injury. And then another, you know, she can get injured at any time. All wrestlers really can get injured at any time. Um, But, you know, for somebody like her, I imagine now is really more than enough time for her to spend in that system. And they think that she has the skills and the appeal ready enough to make a main roster debut, perhaps. Uh, last thing I just wanted to touch upon was the Ring of Honor episode from this past weekend, which uh, you were out of town way, so I guess you did not get a chance to see the fight on the farm. Have not, no. So this, 
this is a really enjoyable episode of Ring of Honor. You could not have had two more distinct matches on this one-hour television program. The first half of the show was Jonathan Gresham retaining the pure championship against Fred Yehi. Just uh, The story is these two coming out of the same uh, WWA4 school out of Atlanta. So you kind of had this... Um, a kind of mentor role that Gresham has played for Fred Yehi and the fact that these two have known each other for well over a decade. And so you had this, this backstory of the two and Gresham as kind of the pure champion, he's now exuding a lot of cockiness in the matches and he does it very well. And they had like a very like scientific, technical, well-wrestled match. And it was Gresham, like at times just playing with him, a lot of fakes and counters, very inventive stuff that I, I think Gresham is operating at a pretty high level and just faked him out and caught him with like this crucifix at the end and gets the cover. So you had the first half of the show. It's just like this really great wrestling match. And then the back half is on location in Sandy Fork, Delaware, Mark versus Jay Briscoe, uh, they have been at odds for a while now. So Papa Briscoe stepped in and said that you two have to get this out of your system. And they aired this wonderful video package featuring all these home videos of these two beating the hell out of each other as children on their farm, including Mark Briscoe diving off of a roof and putting Jay through a table, which I think would put McFoley to shame. And then they recreated this spot in the match, but... I mean, I would not call this a cinematic match. It was just a hardcore match on location. There was nothing, um, there was no silliness to it. It was just a fight. Um, went a bit long because you didn't have commentary. So it was just these two heavily breathing and attacking one another for upwards of 25 minutes of television time. But still, I thought, engaging for the most part and ending with, with both guys. Just They had nothing left. They'd beaten each other to a pulp. And Papa Briscoe standing in between, telling them, have you guys got this out of your system? Good. Now it's time for you to get back to work as the baddest team in the world. And clean this shit up. <laughs> and walked off. And that's how the show ended. I, I thought this was, you know, Ring of Honor, I think they have... I think we've seen some of the best out of Ring of Honor throughout this pandemic. They have been in this situation where, number one, I think they have been uh, a company that has been very responsible in how they've carried out their shows. And they've catered their program so much to empty arena that I think it's benefited a lot. And then you had something like this totally different where you had the Briscoes fighting on the farm as well. So I thought it was a very easy to watch 60 minute episode. And this weekend they are they have their best in the world pay-per-view from Philadelphia with fans. Seems like a fresh idea to break things up. Yeah. Why not? What do you have to lose at this point? Yeah. And I think they've really excelled with a lot of their video packages as well. Just establishing a bit of a story for each match. Their production has, I think also gone way up over this past year. So there you go. That was uh, if you want to check that out, I would recommend this weekend's ROH. We've got the great American bash on Tuesday night and then road rager in Miami on Wednesday night, which looks like it's going to have over 3,200 people or so. And they have added a street fight stipulation for the Young Bucks against Eddie Kingston and Penta. Um, this is probably going to be a, an electric show on, on Wednesday, I would say. Between the crowd, that street fight, very, very high standard for that. Um, this, this should be quite the show on Wednesday. Well, I'm just happy to see, you know, a different environment and a different setting, you know, a different look for an AEW TV show. 
Um, it's it's I'm looking forward to it. It feels like it's a pay per view. All right. Well, tonight did not feel like a pay per view on Raw. It was. We've got two shows left until the pay per view. So this is what we've got. Big news off the top. Title sponsor for Money in the Bank, Applebee's. Oh, I thought you were going to say Apple. No. Apple Bees. Apple Bees. Mm-hmm. All Our right. First That's seg- not bad. That's not so bad. Apple Bees? Yeah. Sure. Yep. Why not? Ms. TV started things off. We had the Miz, and uh, John Morrison uh, was accompanied by his tan. Mm-hmm. This yeah. guy looked, um, I don't know. I think he's just like living on a beach, maybe. Probably. He's in Florida. So we had all of the participants for the men's Money in the Bank on the Raw side come out, starting with Drew McIntyre, who said, I guess we have to talk about the Alamo, and proceeded to tell us that he was a distant relative of Davy Crockett, and he would rather die than lose in Texas. I might rather die than hear any more of Storytime Drew McIntyre. I am done with Storytime Drew. Yeah, history teacher Drew. I I mean, it's every promo that he is in. You know? Dude, we got Don't, two of them tonight. We got two. I think he might have lost um, you know, like a stipulation dark match where the loser has to try to incorporate something out of a textbook for every single one of his promos for two months. Because that's what it feels like this Drew McIntyre has been doing for some reason. And I would understand if they were trying something like this with like a Chad Gable or like, I don't know, like a Drew Gulak. But Drew McIntyre, your A1 top babyface on the show, to give him this sort of like careless, you know, fuck around type of gimmick is insane to me. I have no doubt he's only doing this to like make somebody back there laugh. Um, or maybe it's some sort of weird test, you know? Some sort of weird like soror- like a fraternity initiation thing like that, that he has to do on the down low. But it's weird. And it's, he's it's got- really... The thing is, like, he's got a story and plenty of material. You are shut out of the raw title picture. This briefcase is your salvation. And then he snuck in the line here that he is going to win the briefcase and then cash in on any brand of his choosing. Well, no, not any brand of your choosing. You have... One option, two at best, if you're choosing NXT, we have established you cannot cash it in on Bobby Lashley. Right. Yes, we have. Ricochet is out next. He is called Reckless and Irresponsible by Miz for his springboard crossbody last week, which I do like the fact that they brought this up and they did replay that spot quite a lot tonight so that it wasn't just a cool spot and immediately forgotten. They did replay it several times. And then Ricochet spelled out his name. R to the I to the C to the O to the C. What was this? I don't know. You Are know, they hoping like, that the crowd's going to really take to this and they're all going to chant along his the spelling of his name when they're back? I don't know. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. And I just, I you know, I, I would say maybe it's their attempt to make him sound cool and hip. Um, I I I just feel like unfortunately the guy that they're trying to make sound cool and hip 
comes across way dorkier than the guy who's supposed to be the dork in John Morrison. You know, at least with Morrison, you know that it's intentional. And in fact, I think Morrison is doing a great job. I really like the Johnny Drip Drip stuff and, you know, working in water, <laughs> water references into every single line that he has. Calls him a, he called who? Like drew a splash hole. And um, <laughs> most of you listening to that are, aren't going to probably appreciate it. But I, I think he's funny. Whereas Ricochet trying to do this stuff, I mean, it it's really, mm, maybe he should come up with a, you know, water lines or something maybe he could be the sand guy well he's treading water as we speak so that might be his uh metaphor riddle came out on a scooter his right foot is all wrapped up from the kick last week to the steps still leaps over the ropes and lands on his feet and then climbs the ladder and he's dedicating his performance to randy orton wherever you are drew notes that Riddle has been a good friend to Orton, and war- and Miz warns him not to enable Riddle's stupidity. AJ and Omos are out. AJ's upset. He's not in the match. He wasn't pinned in the triple threat. And then Omos tips the ladder. Riddle hurts his foot. AJ attacks it. Everyone fights, and Ricochet breaks a dripstick. We also got physicality here where Drew clotheslined Omos to the floor. Yes. Yes, right. Yeah, I thought it was an all right WWE opening show segment. Laid out all the participants of this Money in the Bank so far and set up this AJ match that they, they were going to do later. Um, overall, I feel like they, you know, Ricochet does come across elevated from the usual because he's at least in the mix with these main eventers. He is portrayed as, you know, competitive and serious. He's more than just a guy right now who's, you know, in the 205 Live division or the 24 7 division. Yeah, this was like taking attendance at the beginning of Raw, all your yes. main players. Ricochet and John Morrison had a rematch. Uh, they started off much slower paced than last week and kind of built things up. Ricochet did this flip over the Miz's wheelchair. So I do like that they are trying to incorporate the Miz's wheelchair into all of their spots each week. Uh, he, but he gets caught by Morrison flipping off the wheelchair and dropped on the barricade. Uh, inside the ring, Morrison hits a standing Spanish fly. Ricochet then drops him with a tornado DDT and Miz squirts him with the dripstick Ricochet then leaps over the top rope, taking Miz off the apron. They crash to the floor. Morrison gets into the ring, and Miz, through his wheelchair, is able to create a barrier that Ricochet cannot get around and gets counted out in 13 minutes and 11 seconds. Last week, I defended the non-finish that it was just so spectacular. How could you possibly complain about it? Uh, This one, I will say equally in the opposite direction was just so awful. Yeah, this was a tough one, tougher one to take. You know, um, I will say prior to the finish, I, I thought, yeah, it was also a very different t- style of match, at least to start much slower with a lot more kind of like, you know, usual like WWE headlocky type of stuff. But um, once they got through that, um, a lot of the creativity I found between these two uh, apparent, very apparent again, I really love the wheelchair spot. You know, Morrison, when he had his comeback, had some really, really fun looking, like spectacular movement. Um, you know, like the, the the spot to get to the floor, I don't know if that was messed up a little. It looked a little bit kind of rough, but the end result, you know, worked out probably about the same with Ricochet being laid out and having difficulty coming back in. I, the justification is that, okay, when you're counting out, when you're being counted out like that, every single second counts. And, you know, Miz putting his wheelchair there with a dazed 
partially concussed ricochet trying to find his way um presumably ate up like two to three seconds that ultimately cost him that's sort of the justification but um i don't know i mean they are this this appears to be you know another one of these best of five situations where they're going to get another rematch and this was just this just happened to be chapter two yeah chapter two of a very long book because they're doing another match next week the undertaker arrived with shanky and veer Jinder mm-hmm. yeah. mahal here on his bike <laughs> so they interview him <laughs> Jinder, tonight you're taking on Drew. Talk about your history with him. Well, he was with me when I bought this custom bike to celebrate one of my title defenses. And I recently texted him to go riding. He did not respond to me for three days. He wrote, too busy, bro. And he wrote the number two instead of T-O-O. Does he think he's better than me? This is our big showdown between former best friends Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre because this asshole used numbers to communicate words. I mean, it was a pretty funny line. Um, I mean, let's be honest. I don't take this as a serious feud anyway. Uh, I take Jinder at this point very much like he's a 24-7 comedy dude. And so him getting angry over his friend using the number two instead of T-O-O, which, by the way, I don't really understand. I mean, presumably Drew is on a smartphone. It would take as many clicks to go to the number portion, type the number two, and then type type back to the letters as it would to just type T-O-O. So how much time is he really saving? You know, I think he's just trying to be cool, like Drew McIntyre. Um, So... I thought it was funny. I thought it was just like a stupid, campy reason for a fight. Made you really excited for this match. You can't wait for it to to happen next. I mean, I what could they they have done to make me excited anyway? They could have done what Heath Slater did with Drew McIntyre last year. They gave oh, him a okay. microphone, and in one segment, it was like the best promo of Heath Slater's career, and you were actually yeah. genuinely excited. I guess I just don't expect that that type of promo from Jinder Mahal. Nia Jax, Baszler, and Reginald are in the back. So they're doing the um, the deal where Reginald can see Alexa, but the others can't, where she hides in the background. Yeah. Always some been, of my favorite storytelling. You know, there's been a lot less Alexa lately over the past couple weeks. You know, she... the, the extent Definitely a more powers. muted... Um, I mean, she had a presence on this show, but a minor one. Yeah, like in the division right now, the the focus seems to be Nikki Ash, and uh, Alexa is just like sort of a constant presence who just does sort of a, the mind trick thing, and then appears and then disappears, and that's kind of it. Naomi, Oscar, and Nikki Ash are in the back, and they are so excited to team up with a superhero. Nikki clarifies, unlike Black Widow, I am almost. A superhero. She started to believe in herself, and I've never been more successful. I have a chance to win money in the bank. Some people don't have confidence, but if they believe in themselves, who knows what they can do? Naomi says, Don't get your hopes up because I'm winning money in the bank. Asuka says, No, I'm going to win money in the bank. And Alexa walks in and tells them to lower their expectations for winning money in the bank. All mm-hmm. compelling arguments, way. 
who will so win. you know it's it's like what three weeks now we've had this Nikki Nikki Cross do new gimmick and I mean when it started off I was like oh, okay they're doing comedy here like they're doing like somebody who thinks they're a superhero but they're actually like just crazy like they're just nuts and I hear more and more of these Nikki Nikki Ash promos and I don't I do not sense one bit of I think um parody or sarcasm or maybe even self-awareness of how she might actually be coming across because i think she is actually trying to do a gimmick where she thinks she's being an inspiration she she like this is supposed to be a serious character where she's supposed to inspire others by believing in yourself um and yeah you know what maybe it's not for me maybe like you know some six-year-old out there is watching this and really inspired by by this but um, it's a serious character. I just, I don't sense any sort of, um, I don't know, cart- maybe laughable comedic elements attached to it at all, other than the way it looks. Well, the eight-woman tag was Nia, Shayna, Eva Marie, and Dewdrop against Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, and Nikki Ash. So Eva was the main focus of this. She would tag in, then quickly tag out. They put all of the attention on her. Reginald was nearly hypnotized, but Baszler stopped Alexa and drilled her into the barricade. So Baszler is in, her and Asuka traded some submissions, and then they double teamed through, um, they were double teaming um, Naomi and Asuka, double team Baszler, and Dewdrop was like super late getting in there to make the save. She's taken out with a code, with a code breaker. And then Nikki hits a high cross off the apron. She goes for La Magistral Cradle onto Shayna, but she's not the legal woman. Naya is. She ends up hitting her with the Samoan drop, and Jimmy Smith announces cover by Nikki Jax. Sorry, you cut cut out briefly. What did you say? I said that Naya hit Nikki with the Samoan drop, and Jimmy Smith announced cover by Nikki Jax, which I mm. think we can all understand. Slip-ups happen, but I doubt this will have uh, an uproar to it. And Nikki was pinned in 11 minutes and 57 seconds, so she did not believe enough in herself. No, well, she's almost a superhero, so she can't beat mm. everybody, right? She has to fail, and I suppose this was that failure. Um all right. Yeah, match was fine. Um, it's a really ridiculous division right now when you look at the cast of characters. But I will say at least there's a bit of freshness attached to the women's division lately with this, you know, do drop stuff and with the Nikki stuff. Eva announced herself as the winner. So the others were pissed at her. So th- th- I read this as like all of this was the focus is Eva over everybody. Yeah, I mean, this week, sure. I mean... But I, I, I think Nikki Ash is, is a big part of the thing, too. Were you surprised she took the cover in this whole thing? Mm, a little, but I mean, not so much. Again, it's I suppose she's almost a superhero, and this was the way to prove the almost. Lashley and MVP are asked, why did you care. change... No. Uh, Lashley and MVP were asked, why did you change tonight's match to a tag match? MVP explained that Woods doesn't deserve to be in the ring with Lashley, which is not how a a, a tag match would necessarily uh, eliminate his presence. He will be in the ring with Bobby Lashley, even with this change. So Lashley cuts a promo on Kofi Kingston, and he's going to send a new day on a permanent vacation. Not a soft bone is in my body. 
Yeah. Good serious promo from Lashley. Mustafa Ali versus Mansoor. So Ali faked a leg injury. He was caught in the rope. So Mansoor decided to be the good Samaritan and help him. Got him out and then got rolled up by Ali who tricked him and pinned him in 252 telling him the high road will only get you so far. So Mansoor had to learn a tough lesson here. Don't ever help somebody. It'll only yes. backfire. Showing him the dark side. It's a very kind of basic story right now of like good and evil. And Mansoor's character, I can't really say, you know, I can't say either of their mm-hmm. characters have too much um, unpredictable depth to attach to them. But I really do enjoy watching Mansoor. I liked his intensity a lot here in this match. Um, I think, you know, he is somebody who, you know, we'll see is able to make the most out of what they're given. Same with Ali, too. This is at least an improvement for him over what he's been doing before, which is, I mean, Retribution. Nothing. He was doing nothing before, Way, so I guess this is a net gain. Well, even after Retribution, he was doing, what was he doing? Um, He was in the back. He wasn't even on TV. No, he was trying to, like, I guess it was Mansoor. Yeah, he he was was just hanging out with Mansoor. Mansoor's attention, like. So at least these two are getting some airtime. They're they're getting a chance to do some backstage segments, and they're getting a chance to wrestle. So overall, it's an improvement for them. And for Mansoor, it's like you know everybody's kind of real real chance to see what he's capable of. He's somebody who I just think like understand like to me he'll work in the WWE system if they give him the chance. If if Vince doesn't give up on him, you know whether it be due to like him being too thin or or, or whatever. Like he's the type who I sense as long as they give him the ball, he will he will be able to run with it. You are being extremely glass half full on, on this episode of Raw, but I do feel these these follow-up segments are going to break you. Sarah Schreiber... I'm not being extremely glass half full. Like, how how, how am I doing that? I, I, I just... I was so out of this show. I'm not into mm-hmm. any of these stories. I'm, I'm, into I'm not no, into them either, but characters. I, I'm not necessarily into them either, but I can justify, you know, why they're happening. I don't think I can even do that. Um... But maybe what I needed was a story because I needed an hour two story. Drew McIntyre's with Sarah Schreiber and he's got his sword, his family heirloom. And yes, way it has an origin story behind it. It was made from the tooth of the Loch Ness monster, Nessie. And he tells the story of a warrior going into the water and getting a go behind on the Loch Ness Monster and using a rear naked choke and claymored the tooth out of the Loch Ness Monster and the warrior became friends with the monster and went on to proclaim that with this tooth, you'll go on to become the Money in the Bank winner in Texas. So the Loch Ness Monster is fueling Drew McIntyre's run towards the briefcase. Yeah, again, I don't understand why they're like having Drew basically come out here and just mm, tell these ridiculous stories. I mean, they're not even funny. It'd be one thing if like we're, we were all in on a joke because last week I thought, okay, maybe Drew is doing all this stuff just to like troll the announcers for or the, the backstage interviewers for asking such dumb questions. Like it was some sort of like meta comment about how ridiculous and bad their backstage interviewers are. But that doesn't appear to be the case. The sense I get watching these... It's just that Drew McIntyre has gone insane. Like, this loss has just, like, broken his brain. 
And all of a sudden, all he could talk about, like, he's just buried himself deep into these, like, hit, I don't know, like, Wikipedia um, articles about Irish history or something. Like, he's just, there's something wrong with Drew McIntyre. Um, yet, I, I don't exactly think that that's what they're trying to do. So I really don't understand. And you can even tell Drew at the end of this segment here, he kind of breaks. And kind of laughs at himself for like the ridiculous sh- shit he's just had to say. So I don't exactly know if like again he's being dared to say this, and he's just doing this to like make Vince laugh <laughs> what do you or mean something. Dared to say this? He's being well, like, sorry. This is be- promo. What I mean is like yeah, like somebody's writing this for him, knowing that this is terrible material, and let's see what this guy can do with it. Something like that's crazy, right? Like what what bill- billion dollar company would do that to their lead character? Uh, this one. So that can't be it, right? But it, it it comes across that insane. So, I mean, I don't know. Somebody must get a kick out of it. Someone. So Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal, the big showdown. Uh, they're having a match. Mahal's in control until a Glasgow kiss is hit. And he hits a pair of belly-to-bellies and does a kip-up and does the air guitar signaling nicer days as 3MB. And... Mahal tries for the Coloss. It stopped. He hits the Future Shock. And then as Drew is going for the countdown, Veer and Shanky attack him for the DQ in 10-15. Mahal super kicks Drew, rams him into the post, and hits the Coloss. But that wasn't enough. Jinder went too far. He takes the man's sword and said, You took away my opportunity. I take away your family heirloom. I take... Your precious sword. Yeah. Oh no! Took his sword. Damn. Took his from the tooth sword. of Nessie. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, this feud needs to continue somehow. Might as well be over a, a stolen sword, right? So, um, we'll get this had to be the this. least interesting match Drew McIntyre's had on Raw in a long time. There's and one thing really- that is very consistent: it's Drew McIntyre. His matches on Raw are usually the highlight of the show. This was a, I thought, dull match. Oh, totally agreed. I mean, it's a reminder that, hey, this is Jinder Mahal, and um, we saw a whole year, a whole summer of this. You know, main events with Jinder Mahal, they all looked like this. Um, And it was unfortunate because, like, I was, I thought there was real potential with these two. And there maybe still is, but I definitely didn't get a glimpse of it here, where these two have openly talked about wanting a match with the other given their real-life friendship and maybe even their in-character histories together. Yet, when you see the match... Well, well look what like, they gave them. They gave them a text message as their impetus to fight tonight. They took none of it seriously. So they, they gave these guys no opportunity for anyone to possibly care, even if you did go into it with like some kind of interest because of a, of a history you could draw upon. Yeah, and ultimately, it's... I mean, it's Jinder Mahal. He's extremely limited in his style and abilities and ring, so... This is the match that you're going to get, um, and you can at least expect another, if not maybe even two more But by the time we get the money in the bank. Kevin Patrick interviewed the New Day. Kofi's going to drop truth bombs on Lashley and MVP. They note MVP wasn't medically cleared last week. Now all of a sudden he is. Woods absolutely sold zero effects of the Hell in a Cell. He's like, I'm, I'm totally fine to go. Kingston said he's going to have an advantage at Money in the Bank because of the fans. 
And like Kevin Garnett said, he proved anything is possible when he was champion and he's going to take over all of Lashley's championship responsibilities and he can go on an extended vacation. Can send Bobby Lashley to Aurelia. Yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah. This is a good promo uh, from Kofi. Yeah, it's a very positive, high energy promo from Kofi. You know, um, it's entertaining. The return of T-Bar and Mace to Raw versus Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. So T-Bar catches Dorado and spins around and just tosses this dude to the floor. Mace is on the floor and goes up and apparently indicates he is not a fan of Byron Saxton, as the announcers suggest maybe Mace has some commentary lessons for you. Oh. I, I doubt it. They go for their double choke slam, but Dorado is uh, saved by Metalik. And then we have Metalik do his step up somersault dive to T Bar on the floor, or sorry, onto Mace on the floor. Mace uh, doesn't catch him at all. He just crashes to the floor. And then Lince uses a Rana to hook the leg of T Bar in 332 and gets the win. A pretty big win for Lucha House Party, who are usually on the losing end of every single match that they're in on Raw. But uh, they gave him a big win here over two big guys. And I imagine you'll probably see this a few more times in the weeks ahead. <laughs> so, um, you know. By like, match 18, I think these guys will really have something down here. Um, this yeah. was a uh, great. I, I enjoy Metal League and, and Dorado. And they'll, they're fun. you're probably right. They'll be here with T-Bar and Mace forever, who unfortunately are going to be having these characters forever. I, I was not too impressed with Mace in this match. Yeah, Mace is, you know, like he, he's extremely limited. But, I mean, you see this, and to me it was a reminder at how much of a waste Dijak is right now in this role. Remember when these guys came out in Retribution with their masks and were like, okay, at least they're wearing masks so they can protect their real identities <laughs> if they want to rebrand them. The masks have been off for months now on these two, and they're still named T-Bar and they're still named Mace. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately for somebody like Dijak, I mean, I, I, I feel like he's going to be stuck with this for, for a little bit. So it's really hard to take T-Bar seriously, you know, no matter how good he is. Damian Priest had virtually no role on this show. He just went up to Riddle, and Riddle told a story about once diving off a roof and breaking his foot in the summer, and then the next summer he did the same thing but landed in the deep end of the pool proving he was not scared uh, to be an idiot after jumping off his roof one time. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So if you ever I, jump off a roof and break a bone, you should retry it a year later. Very yeah, message here. Probably won't even try it once in my lifetime. Um, you know, these two actually went to grab uh, chicken sandwiches this week. That's wonderful. They lived up to the promo. Well... Um, yeah, Damian Priest just, uh, I don't know what his, his role is at the moment. He's kind of just, he's a body. Where's Randy? I don't know. Gone again this week. No explanation. Interesting. Okay. Weird. AJ Styles versus Riddle. So this was all built around Riddle's injured foot that AJ just attacked throughout the match. At least for this one, Riddle did sell the foot, but of course... He still has to do his WWE superstar entrance where he leaps over the top rope. You've still got to do your pose no matter what. Uh, but he did sell it. There's some physics attached to it, I'm sure. 
He's yeah. put puts more weight on one foot than the other. Like if Hunter had a punctured lung, he'd still have to spit the water up into the air. Yeah, you have to. So Styles is attacking him. Omos delivers a cheap shot from the floor, knocking out the ankle. Uh, AJ's using an ankle lock. Riddle gets out of that. Then Riddle hops to the top turnbuckle and goes for a moonsault, lands on his feet, and then lifts up AJ, can't finish the hold. AJ hits his uh, his burning hammer variation. And then Ivar and Eric pop up from behind the guardrail, distracting Omos and AJ, and you wouldn't believe it, a roll-up finish. Riddle pins him in 13 minutes, so Riddle and the Vikings celebrate. Yes, nothing like a good hard-fought distraction victory. Ah, I know you two. <laughs> Your wrestlers here. You work in the same building as I do. Yeah, uh, I guess just a way to get to the the next week's set of matches and to break AJ and almost off into this tag program, right? But uh good good match until, you know, I would say a pretty uncreative and easy finish here. But I actually thought Riddle selling was pretty good, and overall I thought the match was entertaining. The match had a focus with the injury, so it wasn't just a, you know, send these two out for their endless number of matches, no matter how good they've been. Now, at least this one had some focus to it. Oh, my God. And then this segment. Charlotte Flair is in the ring with a crutch. She is here for a medical update after Rhea Ripley chop-blocked her last week. Charlotte, Charlotte explains that several NBA players are injured, and it's ruining the playoffs. But even worse, Charlotte might miss Money in the Bank. And Rhea Ripley is learning well. She knows she can't beat me. And she did exactly what I would do. Except no one is better than Charlotte Flair. Mm -hmm. I don't know what any of this means. So Rhea Ripley's music plays. And out comes Rhea Ripley. Who was not threatening any Academy Award nominees with her performance as she came out on her own crutch, pretending to have a bad knee. I guess this was so awful that you were supposed to be in on the joke that she's faking this. So Ripley is in the ring. This is god-awfully long. She says she did exactly what Flair would do, and I'm doing what you're doing now. I can see through you. You're being a drama queen. And then in our next dramatic sequence of spy versus spy, both women dropped their crutches. Their knees are fine. And they proceeded to have a crutch battle. Flair ends up escaping from the ring and holds up her fingers to indicate how close Rhea was to getting her and just holds her fingers there for everybody to understand this reference of what we were trying to accomplish and stared at her from the stage. This was among the worst segments I have watched this year on any professional wrestling program. This is a feud that the most positive thing I can say about it is that when it has hit my belief of the absolute depths, it finds new ground to break and reaches another level to make this 
my least favorite feud of 2021. Congratulations. This was wow. a horrible, this, horrible this beats the This beats any of the Alexa things for you? I think this one, at least with the Alexa segments, everything's on the table. I understand what I'm getting into. This, this is just new territory for me of just an awful, awful feud. Taking two very talented performers and through this booking, making them absolutely uninteresting on this program. They have done just awful, awful work with these two. I hate this feud. This segment was, I don't know what the idea was other than they have a match in two weeks. They need to be on the show some way. This is what we came up with. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing like the, uh, I mean, the whole story is that Rhea can be just as big of a heel as Charlotte, you know, like she's, it's almost like, what is it? She's trying to be the, the bully to teach the bully the lesson. Um, I guess I just don't know. So it's, it's so last poorly, week, last week, Rhea was trying time. to one up Charlotte by sneak attacking her and chopping her knee that Rhea was supposed to know didn't do any damage to her. This was a completely ineffective move from me that I utilized on you. So she was one step ahead because she's got psychic abilities to know the pain threshold Charlotte can exude. So therefore this segment where Flair was faking the injury, Rhea is two steps ahead knowing it's a fake injury and to show this found her own crutch and decided to come out and fake her own knee injury. And Charlotte was to believe this was a real knee injury, which then places the acting of Rhea Ripley into the equation, which was God awful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Rhea Ripley is super simple be, story to digest. Supposed to be outsmarting uh, Charlotte. Um, and I guess like, that's fine when you just kind of dilute the storyline to that. Oh, okay. This is supposed to be Charlotte Flair, who I suppose at this point is supposed it, we're supposed to believe somehow she, that she's one of the most cerebral minds in the world of pro wrestling. Even though I can't really say throughout her entire WWE run, she she's been portrayed as maybe you know like a Triple H level, Randy Orton level sort of cerebral thinker in her division. Her whole thing is that she's a natural athlete, right? You know, and, and, and yet Rhea Ripley in this scenario as a babyface the way that they want us to like her as a baby face. And yes, she is supposed to be a baby face. Everybody is that she can outthink the thinker. And she does yes. that by doing the, the woman that got confused about the time limit of a two minute match is the one outthinking the field. Yeah, that, that was terrible with the whole Nikki, Nikki cross stuff. And then like part of her outthinking the thinker is getting herself DQ'd by lifting a cover for the announce table like that was fucking awful. This was like, I I at least think that today fit that st that main story of like, oh, okay, she's outsmarting the the bad guy. But by this point, it's way too late. You know, it's none of this is making Rhea Ripley likable at all. It's it's I would say not the story I think any of us would have gone with when you have Rhea Ripley and Charlotte and the story that they already have built up until this point from the year past. Um. It, they're definitely wait, wait a minute. I, I need to put this. Okay. So the story is that at Hell in a Cell, Rhea Ripley used the desk 
to get out of the match. That's what the announcers explained that night. Which is, which is what match. she says Charlotte would have done. Okay. So in this scenario, if Rhea was to be aware that Flair is faking this injury, would the step not be to call her bluff and get out of the match? You don't get a title match. You're hurt. See, that would Charlotte, be you are so smart. You have lost your title match. You are hurt. What's Charlotte's play there? Brilliant. Yeah, I don't know. What, what is Charlotte's play? Rhea what, is what then out of... She doesn't have to defend it. And she has outsmarted Charlotte Flair, who has somehow <laughs> faked an injury to get out of a, her title match with Rhea Ripley at Money in the Bank. Yeah. That she had set lot- up at the beginning of this promo. <laughs> this make is a lot- the dumbest feud. <laughs> it would make a lot more sense if Charlotte was the champion and wouldn't have to defend the belt. But yeah, she's just kind of screwing No, the challenger the is trying to get out of the match. Yeah, I I have no idea. There's no explanation there. I'm done. I'm done. I'm only going to put so much thought into the, some of these stories. So our come down was Elias and Cedric Alexander against Jackson Riker and R Truth. Yes. Tozawa ran down with the 24/7 title. Truth tried to pin him. The geeks are out. Truth leaves, so it's a handicap match now. So Elias takes off. He's called a coward, and Riker destroys Cedric Alexander, whose post-Hurt Business career is just thriving as he was pinned after a minute four with a spinning side slam. Yeah, that that spinning... the Adding an, adding an extra spin to that sidewalk slam to fancy it up. You know, dress it up for the modern age. Extra twirl in there. The extra um, spin was when they explained to Cedric Alexander that breaking up this unit is going to be good for your career. Well, I guess, you, would you rather be Cedric or Shelton right now? Maybe Shelton. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, probably neither of them a great position, but lame matches, pretty lame characters. I mean, all of this is, they're putting a lot of effort here for this Riker dude. And What um, was the point of the strap match? He won clean. With the stipulation last week, why are we continuing this? We're back to square one where Elias is avoiding Jackson Riker. We went through this. We had the conclusion. Well, the strap match was the start. That was the beginning of the feud. That was the beginning of the best of 10 between these two. The worst thing is you get into a feud with someone. You're stuck. You are. It's quicksand. You've got to beat me 25 times before you can move on. You know, I to me that that would have to rely on them actually believing in the concept of matches ending feuds. I think they just look at matches as ways to fill TV time so that they can make X amount of dollars for every episode. That's the best way to think about it. Next week, they announce a Falls Count Anywhere match between Ricochet and John Morrison, which uh, next week will be the last Thunderdome show, which they are taping before Monday. So it will not be a live show next Monday. And part of me was thinking, man, this Falls Count Anywhere match, this would be awesome for fans. It's also your last time to have fun in the Thunderdome that these mm-hmm. two can probably like just go nuts, use this thing, because we're never use. hopefully, we never have to use this thing again. So I guess that's maybe the thinking. Sheamus and Umberto Carrillo for the U.S. title, so I guess Sheamus is good to return. Eric versus Omos, which sounds, um, that's... I mean, it's going to be taped, so maybe that's a good thing. 
and AJ Styles versus Ivar, which sets up the tag title match in two weeks in front of fans in Dallas with Styles and Omos defending against the Viking Raiders. All right. Wow. Four whole matches. Well, that's what happened when I don't know what day they're they're taping, but they've probably got this show figured out. So we've got stuff that we can announce. Right. And the final match of the night, Bobby Lashley and the returning MVP who has not wrestled since February, taking on Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Heat on Woods for a long time until Kingston gets the tag, flies across the ring. He goes for the boom drop, but does the ball and elbow mannerism before hitting it. There's a distraction by Lashley, so MVP gets the heat on Kingston. They boot him in the corner. Lashley dumps Kingston. Woods is in for the save. And then Kingston hits a trouble in paradise on Lashley, but MVP is the legal man. Woods takes out Lashley with a clothesline off the steps, and as MVP sets up for the playmaker, it's avoided, and Kingston hits the trouble in paradise. 14 minutes, 35 seconds, babyface is over, and Kofi gets a win going into the pay-per-view. I was so confused because Kofi Kingston is your babyface challenging the heel champion, and they're giving Kofi a victory, so therefore you might be drawn into a sense of intrigue that this momentum could carry through and he could be a threat to the champion. I might want to see this match at Money in the Bank. I don't know what they were thinking here. I, they've lost their minds. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the match was entertaining, you know, with MVP be, being heavily relied upon to... I mean, you don't have he, to... He was in this for a lot, for the guy well, that has not wrestled in months. I mean, he well, you was don't kind have, of relied upon. You don't have the rest of the Hurt Business anymore to take the falls for, for Lashley, so it's going to have to be MVP, and he does a great job. Um, you know, I, I think COVID, like them deciding to change the Woods-Lashley match from a singles match to this one um, made a lot of sense when you see the end result. It, it's much more valuable for the main event to have Kofi getting a strong win than to have presumably Lashley beating Woods in a singles match or some sort of uh, setup. What so, are the odds think, we get Lashley and Woods next week? No, nah, sure. Yeah, maybe they'll do it then too. I don't know. But I would say overall, I think they're, they're doing a pretty good job with Kofi. I think so too. I think Kofi has been very good in the lead up to this, uh, for, for this pay-per-view. Uh, overall, I, I thought this was uh, quite the come down from last week. I was very, I, I enjoyed last week's Raw. I did not enjoy tonight's episode. Yeah, no, probably a below average Raw. Um, I can't really say really too many great matches. I didn't think there were some, you know. Yeah, some no, okay like last week had several. I, di- I didn't, like, even, like, Riddle AJ was fine for what it was. Um, but, yeah, you certainly did not have the, the caliber uh, that we've seen the last couple of weeks, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of story, it's like, you know, it's it to me it felt like a pretty average raw in that sense. The story of the main event to close the show was summarized by Corey Graves in very simple terms. Bobby Lashley is not happy. Kofi Kingston is. <laughs> that's your that's your uh your clear, unfiltered storyline from Raw. Mm-hmm. Feedback. Forum.postwrestling.com is where we conclude tonight and hear from all of you. And tonight's poll gave tonight's episode of Raw a whopping 3.7 out of 10. Brandon from New Jersey watched this show. Good event, guys. How how are you long weekend, eh? So already out of his mind. 
Anywho, as they continue to shoot fireworks in the sky, I am writing you this missive about Raw, like I'm Francis Scott Key aboard the HMS... Okay, I'm going to his meanderings. What is your take on Nikki Cross's new gimmick, and will it get over with the fans? If she gets an action figure out of it, that would be a double bonus. I don't know about you, but the strap match phenomenon and the one coming up Wednesday between Cody and QT, aren't you a little fatigued over them? I remember when I got five Fs on my report card myself, and my father had a strap match. I wore six pairs of jeans that day. Guess who won? Okay, this is uh, just going into uh, Brandon's... Anyway. Nikki Cross, way. Um, I think, you know, like, I think fans will understand a superhero, Nikki Cross, more so than whatever Nikki Cross was supposed to be before. Like, she was kind of still sanity Nikki Cross, but without the insanity, I suppose, of the character. She just was, like, Alexa's best friend and then really nothing else. So, at the very least, I think having her dress up as a superhero, calling herself as a superhero, will will be more palatable. And will will allow herself to be cheered a bit uh, more with the audience, the younger audience specifically. Um, and she will probably definitely get an action figure. I would think so. Yeah, everybody. I mean, it's gets an it, it's figure. something for her. It's and they're clearly they're they're into it now. Which I mean, puzzling to just pin her immediately when the story was she is now having this successful run. But that's yeah, that's how things go. Do you feel any strap match fatigue? Um, I mean, there was one last week, and there's one on Wednesday. So, no? One last week. No, when Elias With and uh, Riker, Jackson Riker yeah. was but, last But, week. I mean, in, wasn't there one in AEW before that, too? Am I thinking of something else? Am I already forgetting a prior, prior strap match? I might be, but it's not coming to me, so no, I can't say if I can't even name it off the top of my head. All right, we got an MJ who says, when Alexa and Nikki cross history, isn't this... With Alexa and Nikki Cross's history, isn't this headed towards a spinoff series with superhero versus evil villain? Well, I don't when, think Alexa... When, no, seriously. Like, when do they dive into people's history? Tonight, diving into history meant, oh, uh, we bought a motorcycle together and he texted me. Like, dude, this is your... Your expectations are way too high if you think that they're they're going to dive into this significant history that is longer than three weeks ago. Uh, and thank you, Hansi. I was thinking about the cowbell match between Komarado and Dustin. So I guess different from a strap match. But, um, you know, um, Alexa is supposed to be a babyface. I mean, you know that because she, she's she's on the babyface side of things. And will it be a superhero villain type of scenario? Um, I guess, yeah, they could. Yeah, yeah it's like Alexa's screwing with the heels. And Nikki's like... So so what's she going to do when she actually becomes a superhero? She's going to be Nikki Sh- Nikki Sh. Nikki Sh. Nikki Ish is a superhero. Nikki Ish. Okay. That's kind of cool. Sounds like you guys don't love their raw use, but Bliss looks ready made for some actual acting roles. Yeah, I'm going to disagree personally, but yeah, maybe it's the material. Maybe you're right, MJ. MJ also says Do you think Drew is going to still be over in front of live crowds or has his run near the top got exhausted? If he's out of the title scene, do you think that his other programs will be viewed as upper tier as maybe some hoped as his Thunderdome height? He feels closer to Kevin Owens than Roman, and I felt all last year that they were going to make him at Roman's level. I'm curious how that investment in Drew in front of not crowds ultimately plays out now that they will be back on the road soon. Hmm. Will, will Drew McIntyre still be over? Well, they're certainly um, testing their 
the their limits with Drew by taking him down a great notch with these back terrible backstage promos he's been doing every single week. Um, he's not the champion. He has lost a feud with Bobby Lashley. So will crowds still be hot? I think crowds will still recognize him as a as a top star, maybe even the top star, but probably not as hot as they would be, you know, had, had it been at the height. Of he, it. He's certainly slotted higher than Kevin Owens is slotted on SmackDown and on Raw. They can't afford to phase down a Drew McIntyre. They can't. <laughs> They've like, tried Co- hard. Kofi, Kofi is a stopgap. Kofi is not going to be your baby face that Raw is built around. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. At the same time, they're giving him these terrible, terrible promos that, to me, achieve nothing but cool him off. Yeah, but I don't think they look at it as designing these to be awful promos. I think yes, they think, obviously. oh, this is great. This is great. Like, look at yeah. the material John Cena had to had to mangle his way through. I guess. Did John Cena have to have to cut promos this bad? Dude, John Cena had to... His delivery had to save a lot of awful, awful material. He had way worse than Drew's gotten. Okay. Yep. So uh, we we shall find out in a couple weeks. So there you go. The penultimate Raw in the Thunderdome. Penultimate, yes. The countdown is on. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rewind a Raw. On Tuesday, we're back. Ask away the mailbag show. Are you excited? Are you excited to open up the mailbag? Always. Always excited for Ask Away. It's what my one of my favorite shows to do. I say one that's of That's because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to wake up early in the morning or stay up late tonight to do anything. Yes, that is part of the reason. But secondly, we get to talk about everything. I get to be just just me, you know? We, we don't have to necessarily... Who have like, you been for the last hour else? and a half? What, who well, have I'm I been always, talking to? I am always me, but I'm talking about something else. I have to like get into the zone of this guy, the people that are creating this show to try to understand and dissect why they are doing this stuff. And with ask away, it's just like, I just have to get into your minds. All of you guys who ask these crazy questions, what was this guy thinking when he was asking this? And I do my, we do our best to answer. We try. That's it. So if you want to go up on the forum, uh, you can still submit questions uh, up until Tuesday afternoon. And then we're live Wednesday night after Road Rager. So we will be here at 1015 Eastern for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members of the cafe. Whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com if you want to check that out. News from myself, Andrew Thompson, all of that great stuff. So that is it. We are signing off. And thank you for listening to Rewind a Knee.